I'm sat backstage with Daryl Heim, uh, Melda May's guitar player and husband, um, and soon to be father. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> How's, how are things going with the tour so far? Oh, it's been great. I mean, uh, audiences have been fantastic. Um, and and uh, we've just been really, really pleased with, with uh, the reception that Melda's had. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially with her, her being pregnant as well, you know, yeah. um, and and just thrilled that the gigs are going really well. It's like nothing ever happened, really. You know, she's still performing brilliantly, yeah. um, and uh, yeah, I think we've just been very lucky. We've got some really great um, uh, people following us. You know, some really great fans, and uh-huh. uh, if that's the right word to use these days, but. Uh, just real lovely support, you know. Right. You know, it's been wonderful. And you say you haven't had a change of plans at all because of Melda's pregnancy. I mean, have, have you had to do anything different? No, not really. I mean, um, we're, we're probably putting in a, an extra ballad just to calm calm things down right. a little bit in between the fast songs a bit more. But but even that, you know, we, we, we're, we're adding songs. We're not taking songs out. Right. So um, she's still performing for hour 45 you know near enough and um and still wearing her high heels I still, still wearing <laughs> high heels <laughs> wow. yeah. but uh, I mean she only wears them for while she's on stage right you know, yeah, yeah. so that's that's good yeah. but um no I think we've, she's been very good you know very strong and she's enjoyed it she's, she's having a great pregnancy at the moment excellent um and I think we've like I said I think we've just been very lucky good stuff and and first time in the stage what yeah. do you make of it as a venue then well, it looks incredible. I mean, we walked out to do the sound check, and I just looked at all the, the empty seats, and uh, I just thought, wow, this is this is really some some venue, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, when you start playing, and the acoustics are brilliant, it's a really great sound on stage, and mm-hmm. um, I, I'm really looking forward to it tonight. Very much so. Good. Let's talk a bit about uh, how you got into playing and stuff. When did you when did you start playing guitar? Um, I suppose I was, uh, I was, well, I'd always loved the guitar, but I just never got really round to playing it properly until I was about 12 or 13. Right. So I left it a little bit late, really. Right. Um, but I always, I was always, always obsessed with the guitar. Um, and then when I, uh, when I started playing, I bought a guitar off a, off a friend of mine, lived down the road from me, and it was, um, it was a horrible old 60s thing that looked right. like a, a kind of a, a strat ripoff, you know those sort of sixties guitars that mm-hmm. just had millions of buttons on them. And right. He didn't know what any of them did, and a, and, a, and an amp that looked like a uh, looked like a cornflake packet. You know, it was, <laughs> it was awful. Which um, is quite cool these days, isn't probably it? Probably is, yeah. <laughs> probably is, yeah. But I mean, um, and, and I just real, I, I I noticed that, I, or I quickly realised that I had an ability to pick things up fairly quickly. Right. Up to a certain level, you know. Um, and of course, that encouraged me to want to play, mm-hmm. and I just I, I just became obsessed with the guitar for many many years. You know, right. just sat in the bedroom, and I'd play four or five hours a day every day. You know, and I was quite happy to do that. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, you get to a certain level, and you think, oh, I never thought I'd ever be able to play like this. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's amazing by my standards. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then of course, you just sort of get lazy, and you don't you don't play so much anymore. You know, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, I think you always try and strive to improve, and and uh, that's how you, you sort of get on in the world. I mean, and, at least you do for and was it always the rockabilly blues style of guitar that you got into? Or I mean, yeah, well, I found rockabilly very 
um, eclectic. I found it quite difficult from a lead guitarist point of view mm. because um, when you're in a rockabilly band, you're having to carry the rhythm, you're, you're, you're carrying the lead, you're doing everything. Mm -hmm. And it encompasses a lot of different styles of music. So there's blues, there's, there's jazz, there's you know, um, straight rock and roll and uh, country. Um, there's all those different types of music. And then if you wanted to get really uh, anal about it, you can then go into the offshoots of all those other different mm. types of music and start adding that to what you mm. do as well. Um, so there's really no limit to what you can do with it if you want. Yeah. Um, I think um, in recent years I've seen um, rockabilly guitar players starting to get a little bit more credibility for the for um, those that can really play it well, which I think mm. is wonderful to see because mm. it is a, a very intricate style of music, mm. um, and it you know it's, it's, there's as many chords as you want to put into a song, but I mean traditionally it's three three or four yeah. chords, you know, um, but. Um, but I think it's a very it's a very difficult style to play well. That's that's how I tend to look on it. As yeah. as anything is really. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's plenty of guitar players that, that can play a bit of this and a bit of that. And I mean, I just wanted to be a, a good rockabilly guitar player. I didn't want right. to play anything else, and I still don't want to play anything. And else. was that from the very start though? That, that from you the just... very start, yeah. Right. The very start. I, I I heard Elvis's music when I was about four or five years old. Elvis was still alive. I was a huge fan of his. Then I heard Eddie Cochran. Not long afterwards. And that was it. That was my path set out for me, you know. Right. Um, and as I got older, I discovered, uh, you know, very, very quickly Gene Vincent and um, heard his his uh, guitar player Cliff Gallup, mm -hmm. and then Scotty Moore, of course, with Elvis, who I'd already been listening to, and then Carl Perkins, and you know, all of these artists were a revelation to me. Mm -hmm. um, their music was a revelation to me. It was all guitar driven, guitar led. They were all different players. Um, and I could pick that up even very early on that they were all different players right. all had their own style and I was just amazed by that mm. I just thought well you know this is it's a, it's a music that kind of has its own thing going on you know right. but, uh, but all of these guitar players are, are different and, and, uh, and I thought that was magic you know excellent and so I mean most guitar players well rock guitar players when they first start Smoke on the Water is the first riff mm. what was your first riff that you can you remember that I don't remember the first thing that you, you tried to learn or no I don't, I don't remember I mean it probably would have been shadow stuff really right because you know even back in the um, yeah, you, you know in the early 80s you know it was Burt Whedon and the shadows I mean uh -huh. my dad was a teenager in the 50s so you know he, he just recommended to me things that that um, would have would have been recommended to him when he, when he was my age and he first picked up a guitar not that he played the guitar but he he, he, he went out and bought me a Burt Whedon book, Playing a Day. Right. Um, a couple of Shadows records, you know, and I was really more than happy with that. I mean, just recently I've sort of gone back to Shadows um, material because I think that there's a lot of discipline there, you know, to be able to play stuff like that. Mm. I mean, it's all well and good being able to play a, a flashy solo for 20, 30 seconds, but to mm. carry a tune for two, three minutes, you know, that, that requires a, a level of concentration that... I think um, I'd, I'd sort of um, forgotten over the years, you know, or I'd sort of let, let drift a bit. Um, so it's good to go back to that and, and learn again and um, start... Because, you know, the shadow stuff is de deceptively simple. You think it's really easy to play. And anyone can sort of pick it up and, yeah. you know, do a passable impersonation. Yeah. But then when you actually sit down and listen to them properly, you know, 
it's really difficult stuff. Yeah. And and it requires a great deal of concentration and uh, and uh, and I've been enjoying going back to listening to, you know, I mean I know he's just passed us recently, Bert Whedon, but he was a huge influence on me, Bert Whedon. I mean I loved his style of playing. I thought he was a lot fabulous. Of players, obviously. Yeah. Very influenced by. So. The rockabilly guitar, if, if somebody was starting off with rockabilly guitar or rock and roll guitar, what would you say would be the, the essential things to learn? Well, I think initially, because rockabilly is very rhythmic, I think you, you've got to work on the rhythm side, side of things first. Um, strumming along to the classics on an acoustic is a great way to, to, to get the rhythm side of things sorted out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Peggy Sue, Summertime Blues, you know, the old chestnuts. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, for lead work, I still recommend The Shadows and uh, Burt Whedon uh, for the discipline that is required. Um, and then and then I think, you know, moving on into things like um, Elvis's Sun Sessions, mm -hmm. early Carl Perkins is a great way to sort of move up another couple of levels. Mm -hmm. And then once you sort of got proficient with things like that, then you can start looking at people like Cliff Gallup, Eddie Cochran, um, you know, James Burton. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, it's, it's all stepping stones, really. I don't think you should really try and start with anything too madly difficult. Mm -hmm. You know, just sort of work your way up, which I think is just sort of common sense, really. Yeah. You know? But a lot of people try and jump in at the deep end and learn the most difficult things that there are and then get frustrated if they can't play it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and you know start off playing them slow and then work the speed in as you, as you get more proficient with it really yeah. and techniques wise are you a flat pick player are you fingers and thumbs thumb pick hybrid well yeah, yeah I'm a hybrid player yeah, I use a plectrum and I use my, my two fingers right. my uh, ring and uh, um, middle finger um, I've, I've always played like that really and um, it's it's just a trick, really. It's just a way of doing things and making it sound like you're doing, you're being more flash than what you actually are, really. You know, I mean, I'm not a terribly fast player, but I can, I can sort of get away with it, you know, by using um, those the, the, my, my right hand to, to do all the banjo rolls and yeah. uh, and things like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I, I worked, I worked on that because I wanted to play like um, Mel Travis and Chet Atkins, you see. Mm. Um, and I couldn't really get on with a thumb pick. So um, I, I figured, well, I'll just try and work it out with my fingers and, and using the plectrum. Um, it's, it's, it's okay, you know, it's not a bad way of doing it. It's, I still think that if anyone wants to play like that properly, they'll have to learn with a thumb pick, you know, because I think hybrid picking is, well, certainly for me anyway, there's a, there's a limit and, and I can't right. go beyond it, you know. Yeah. Um, but again, I think it's one of those techniques. It's 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 like riding a bike. Once you once you've mastered it, it you, you'll be able to play like that forever, yeah. you know. And I think a lot of players do it naturally anyway, without even realising they're doing it. Right. Because you know, Brian Setzer does. He actually palms his pick, doesn't he? Because he can't get away with using the pick. Yeah. Fingers. So yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, and I see a lot of players have copied that. Yeah. Um, I think it's just as easy to keep the the petrum in your hand, really. Mm. But um, but it's horses for courses. It's whatever, you know, because I mean it doesn't have to be precise. I think a lot of people think that you have to keep that continuous bass no bass notes going. You mm. know the the alternate bass lines and mm. and you don't really. That's the, that's the uh, that's one of the things that when when that dawned on me that it didn't have to be as right. precise as that. 
then then I, I was I was fine. Would you care to demonstrate? Yes, I mean if you're playing obviously in in um, uh, if you're playing an open chord like an A, and you and you and you play your A on on the F shape on the fifth fret, then you've got your 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 open strings, your 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 uh, e, e and A opens for. in G, you don't have those open strings on the bass note, so you have to bring your thumb over. So, so it's it's that's the sound I'm getting. Yeah. I'm just playing the two Gs. I'm not doing a like a root fifth yeah. sort of idea, right? And you demonstrated beautifully there yeah, that rolling technique, which to my ears, that's one of your things. I, I think if I think of your style, yeah. you do a lot of those mm. like rolling with the chord, moving up through the chord shapes, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Did have you worked on that a lot? Because well, yeah, I had to really because once again, you know, it was one of those things where. Um, it, it sounded like such a flash thing to do. I mm. just thought, well, I've got to learn how to do that. And then once you, the the the, the very first time I probably came across it was was the intro to a, a Carl Perkins tune called Honey Done, which goes. <laughs> Which is kind of a that'll be the day sort of that kind of a thing. Yeah. But there's no from doing that to to going. Just a matter of going. Just and is it always forward then? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, I don't do it any other way. But you can do it with uh, in any part of the neck, in any key that you're in. Um, it works particularly well in G. In an A. But but it but but you can put it in anywhere and it and it just sounds it sounds fabulous. It certainly does. Mm. Excellent. Um, and so you're sitting with a, a beautiful Gibson. I'm not quite sure what model it is. L five or something or no. It's a it's a it's a it's an ES five Switchmaster. Right. It's got the the most volume and tone controls. With <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's quite an extortionately uh, <laughs> equipped uh, beast. Yeah. Um, is that is that your guitar choice at the minute? Is that what you're playing mainly, or Cause well, uh, uh, Gibson gave me this guitar, right? Um, so I, I sort of feel obliged to play it, <laughs> um, but, but you know, but but I love it. I mean, I I, I played Gretsch's for many years, uh -huh. and then um, I had a, uh, the Gretsch that I was playing for many has got stolen, and I couldn't afford to buy another. So, and at that time, I became endorsed by PV, and I asked PV was run at the time by a a, a lovely fellow called Ken Ashard, who was right. a, a huge Eddie Cochran fan, and I said to Ken one day, I said, "Why, why don't, why don't you not uh, make a semi-acoustic?" Mm -hmm. And he said, "I don't know." He said, um, "Why don't you sort of throw in a, a design, and we'll see where we go from there." Mm -hmm. So I, I basically put together my two favourite Gretsch guitars, which was a White Falcon bo body and a sixty-one twenty neck, right. and 
between us, we came up with a guitar called the Rocketum, and I mm-hmm. played that for about ten years, and and was very very happy with it. Um, and then PV stopped making them. Uh, they'd run their course really. They had a good ten years, you know. Um, and by then, Gretsch had sort of brought out a a a, a, a sort of a, a budget line, which was doing extraordinarily mm. well. They're fabulous guitars. Um, and uh, so I went back to playing Gretsch's again, and then. Um, I, I, we was doing some work with Jeff Beck and the Gibson people came along and they said, well, we'd love to give you a guitar, would you fancy? And I said, well, I'd always fancy, always wanted a, an L5 because I'm a big Scotty Moore mm-hmm. fan and I loved the sound that he had on those early Elvis records. Uh, they couldn't find one, so they came up with this, which is even better really because um, Carl Perkins played one of these and he's one of my idols, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that will do for me. It's, 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 it's perhaps a tad more rock and roll than, than the L5. Um, and and I've just been, I've have done a lot of work to it to, to get it how I want it. But right. I've, and this is the first time I've used it on on uh, you know live for, mm-hmm. for any length of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still getting used to it, but I really really like it. And I think that you know um, I'd like it to be my main guitar from now on right. in really, because right. it just it just. Um, uh, it's just an unusual guitar. You don't see many people play them, and yeah. I kind of like that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's uh, and, and as I say, it's a real nice nod to Colt Perkins. So, so I'm happy with that. Excellent. And what about the rest of your equipment, uh, live and stuff? What What are you using? Well, it's very basic, really. I mean, I, I'm not really into foot pedals. I've got a couple, but I've got a Zoom G2, which I've always I've always used those Zoom pedals because. They're very robust, and you, you can get loads of different sounds out of them, and, mm-hmm. the, and they're, they're great value for money. Um, I've got a Dan Electro Real Echo, which mm-hmm. I, I really like. I think they're fabulous. Um, I've got a another G2, which I keep um, for distortion if I want to sort of... Uh, there's a couple of solos where I like to sort of have it a bit more distorted, yeah. so I'll just kick it in for that. Um... And that's about it, really, for foot pedals. And uh, I've always used a uh, PV Delta Blues uh, amp right. with the one fifteen-inch speaker. Right. Um, I love those amps; they do everything for me. You know, they're real workhorses, but they've got such a lovely sound, and they really bring the the best out of the pickups that I like to use. Um, single core pickups; they they just seem to sing really well with with a small amp with a big right. speaker. You know. Right. Um, so, so I've used that setup for years, really, for many, many years. Right. Yeah. Excellent. And you've got your own studio as well, haven't you? Em- Embassy Studio. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it still all analog based and stuff, or have you had well, to go down? <coughs> yeah, we've had to because I mean, because uh, I'm not the engineer in there anymore, and haven't right. been for the last five years. Other other guys have come in, and of course they've turned it into a Pro Tools thing, really. Right. Which is which is nice. But we've still got the G six Fostex G sixteen oh, right. yeah. So so we can record onto tape any time we want to. Um, if you can find the tape, I suppose is that. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we, we sort of stockpiled a load before it all went, you know, really right. expensive. But uh, but very few bands want to use it, to be honest with you. Yeah. And uh, we always found that when when bands did express a preference of using it, that they would never they they would never buy the tape and take it with them, which we always encourage bands to do. Yeah. Uh, and and so we'd end up with like just cupboards full of it, and and uh, so um, and you don't want to tape over it just in case. But um, so it is a lot easier to, to work digitally. But 
it's that every band that goes in there is offered the choice. Right. Uh, but 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 very few want to use tape. Right. Because of course it requires a, a bit more discipline, really. You know. You, yeah. yeah. It's I think too many musicians rely on Pro Tools. Yeah. And uh, it's amazing what you can do, but you know, there's something to be said about you know playing a song uh, or playing a whole solo in one take. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I. I do it as often as I can. I can't do it every time, obviously, but you know. Um, but I like the discipline of doing that, you know. And, yeah, you've got to uh, get the top in certain yeah, places. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd hate to think that my solos are put together from fifty different attempts I've had. You know. <laughs> yeah. I, w I would feel like I failed in some way, you know. Um, so so, you know, with with the Melders solos, they're very, a lot. Most of them, I say, ninety percent of them, are very meticulously work, worked out. Okay. Uh, and a lot of them have evolved from a from a long period of time of gigging them, you know. Mm -hmm. But every so often, you know, you get a flash of inspiration and doing one take, and you think, wow, that was brilliant, you know. Um, more for my own amazement, really, rather than anyone else's. But um, but uh, yeah, I, I still I still like uh, working working with tape, and I love the sound that it gives. You know, unfortunately, digital can't can't quite get there at the moment right. to to replicate that. It's uh, there's a lot of bands out there that that still are so heavily influenced by roots music, you know, and mm. uh, and uh, and I think I still think that's a lovely way to record. All right. And are there any bands that you've seen uh, that you would recommend that are, that are coming up through the ranks, sort of thing, in the in the rockabilly scene? Yeah, I do. I think there's a few at the moment, which I think is most encouraging. I think there's uh, a band that have been supporting us quite a lot called the Caesars. I think are excellent uh, young lads that have really got the right attitude they they understand what the music's all about mm -hmm. uh, they're playing it with fire and passion um, and I love that there's also uh, uh, Knoxville who I think are again are an excellent band Lady Killers uh, a bit more sort of uh, punk orientated but I, I, I like what they do and there's a band from Liverpool called uh, Furious right. who uh, perhaps a, a more traditional rock and roll band um, in the Teddy Boy sense, but I love them. I think they're great. So I think there's a good sort of four or five bands around at the moment right. that are young and and doing a great job with the music. Excellent. And so the future, obviously, are you going to be taking time off uh, very shortly with your impending fatherhood and, and things? Or no, I don't think any of us are really. Right. I mean, uh, Amelda will be obviously. But, <laughs> um, I've just done an album with um, Slim Jim Phantom from the Straight Cats. Yeah, right. We recorded an album. Uh, just before all of this went went well with Imelda, um, and I did a few tours with him, um, and really, almost a, a month after the baby's due, I should be going out on tour with him for a, a few right. weeks, uh, and that's a nice little thing to have, you know, in 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 in, in uh, going on as well. So I'm um, looking forward to doing that, and um, I think we'll all we'll all as a band we'll all be going off and doing other things. Right. You know? We'll be touring in the UK with the Slim Jim. Family. Yeah, definitely. We're coming to the uh, Clooney, I think. All right, excellent. Um, we, I think the first show is scheduled to be Dingwalls in London. Right. Um, yeah, so we will be doing the Clooney, and um, right. yeah, I think there's about a week's worth of work here in the UK, and then we'll do a couple of weeks in uh, in Europe. Excellent. Well, we'll look out for that. That's, that sounds great. Daryl, thanks very much. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Thanks very much.